this morning, I wanted to just share a, a little bit, uh, just about, you know, thoughts from last year, thoughts for, thoughts for the, the new year, and I uh, wanted to encourage you with a, with a couple things, but uh, most of what that uh, I'm sharing this morning is is really for me. You know, it's stuff that uh, I felt like he was prompting in my heart that uh, that that I need to pay attention to this um, this year. But uh, knowing that there's something uh, in that for each of us as we listen to him, he always has something for each and every one of us. So if you're listening uh, online this morning, we welcome you as well. And uh, so we'll just jump right in. Uh, this, w- this week, um, we, the kids got all different games and stuff for Christmas. And so we've been playing different games. Anybody remember Racco from like 50-something years ago? That game's, uh, we're teaching our kids how to play Racco. And it's, it was great. And uh, then the other night, we were asking our kids, what game do you want to play? And the boys like, fire drill! And I'm like, fire drill is like this thing that we uh, do with the kids to help them know how to get out of the house in case there's a fire. And so we made a game out of it so that they would actually want to do it the first time. But now they think it's a game. And so definitely fire drill, right? So they go in their, they go in their rooms and, and uh, we turn off all the lights and I'm the fire, like I'm the fire alarm. So I stand out by their door, woo, 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 woo. And they come to the door and they put their hands on the door and like, Dad, is it hot or cold? Because if it's, you know, if it's hot, they know they got to get to go out the window. And if it's cold, they get to, like, look for smoke and crawl across the floor. And, and so, you know, I always make sure it's, um, it's cold so they don't go and actually break the window. They're so excited to do that. They can't wait for that day that they get to break the window. And so we kind of go over things every once in a while with them. And, and uh, so we were asking them, uh, you know, uh, what do you take with you when you go out? And they're like, all the good toys. And I'm like... Uh, no, no, no. Like, we've gone over this so many times. You take no toys with you. But, Dad, we just got them, you know? Like, we got to take the good toys with us. And so I'm sitting my four- and five-year-old down. I'm like, okay, let's go over this again. What toys are we going to, like, what toys do you take? Like, just one toy, Dad? Like, can we just take one toy? I'm like, no toys. We'll buy new toys. You just get out. Can we take our blankies, Dad? I'm like, uh, no, we'll buy it. But they won't be the same. And, and so they're going through this thing in their heads of if we have to choose. And I'm like, if you have to choose one thing, what's it going to be? And it's like, blankie, you know, that's the one thing. Everything else is replaceable. we got to take blankie. And, you know, as I thought about that, and I thought about me, I was laying in my bed, I'm wondering, what would I take? You know, if my house was burning down, what would I, what would I take out? What would be the things that I, that I would be like, I've got to pick that up on the way out the door? Uh, and so I want to ask you the same thing. If your house was on fire, what would, what would be the one thing or the things that you'd be like, that's the thing I've, gotta, I've got to take with me? Thought about it, you know, my iPhone, you know, I would use it as a flashlight. That's in case the power goes out during the fire. That's my reason for taking it, right? And, and my iPad, so the iPhone's not lonely. And, uh, you know, take iMacs um, and, and Finn and Reese and Link, right? The, you know, take my kids for sure. Uh, and we've been planning that now that Link stays in the basement, that I'll go down to get him. Beth gets the other ones uh, out the door, out the window. And, and it, it, but as we thought about it, you think, you know, there's certain, things, there's certain things you think about that, you know, you think are important. But then in those moments, you realize there's very few things that are really, really important. Everything else could stay as long as my kids and my wife are out of that house. And nothing else matters. And it helps you, you know, prioritize. And, and, you know, the thing is, you think, well, why are you playing these games? In case there's ever a fire, I'll be glad I did. I'll be glad that I did play these games with, uh, with my kids so that in case it ever happens, I, I'd rather say I'm glad I did than I wish I had. And that's my um, challenge for you this morning. What are the things in your life that you look back and say, wow, I'm really glad I did that. I'm glad I did that. Rather than the, 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 um, at the end of a year saying, oh, I wish I, I wish I had. And another year's gone. And they just go. They fly by. And so this morning I want to challenge you with the, the, the next year coming. 
at the end of this year, what, what will you look back at and say, oh, I'm glad I did that. And so I want to challenge you with a few thoughts. And I, and I want to challenge you with the thoughts that if you do these things, you'll, you'll be glad you did them. Um, seems like some parts of this year were a bit of a blur. Uh, and there were certain things that I stuck out uh, to me that I was glad I did. And there were things that I did a few years ago that I thought, you know, I was trying to think, what are certain things I'm just so glad I did this past year? But a few years ago, I bought a snowblower, and then we didn't get any snow for like two years. So that was like a big waste of money until this year, where actually there was some snow, and, and I got to take that snowblower out. And, and, and I thought, you know, I'm glad I bought the thing. I'm really glad I did. And then I thought my neighbors, they were all glad I did. I have friends who, like, down the road, around the, I'm just like, once I started, I get addicted and it's like eight driveways, nine driveways. I start looking for driveways that might need to be uh, blown out of snow and, and uh, my buddy happened to be one of them. But, uh, you know, I thought about that. I'm like, I'm glad I did. If it was this guy, he'd be wishing he had my snowblower, right? He's in the other, other side. And so I want to encourage you with those, those, the thought this morning, which side are you on? Um, I read a, a book this week. I don't read a lot, but uh, we got given one for Christmas and it was called Soundcheck. And I'm glad I read it uh, because as I read through, I saw this story and this one jumped out at me and I want to share it with you guys this morning. It's found in the Bible in Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, still have the paper ones, open it up to Luke chapter 10. It's close to the back. If you got it on your phone or, uh, or on an app, uh, flip it open uh, just so you know that what we're actually saying is really there. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 says this, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Uh, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. And if you've been to, been to kids' church before, you probably heard this story, the story of Mary and Martha. And, uh, you know, Martha was, was uh, the, it, was, it, it sort of gets painted as a story of good and evil. One makes good choices and the other one, and you'll see it in a minute, one makes, a, you know, a, 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 the wrong choice and Jesus kind of teaches them a little lesson. And, and I realized, you know, that this is not a story about good and evil at all. Both of these people loved being with Jesus. You know, we see in other spots that they were his closest friends, that these were people that Jesus loved to be with, and they both loved to be with Jesus. And so um, it says that, you know, Martha welcomed Jesus into her home, and Mary sat listening to what Jesus taught, sat at his feet. And then verse 40, it says this, But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And culturally, Martha was doing exactly what was expected of women in that day, being in the kitchen, cooking. Uh, and Mary was doing exactly opposite of what people expected in that day. You don't sit at the feet of a teacher unless you're a disciple. And only men could be disciples. So what is Mary doing sitting at the feet of Jesus? She's supposed to be in the kitchen. And like the classic older sister, I have it with my own kids. They go, you know, when they can't get their sister to do something, they go to a higher up. My kids always come like, Dad, can you tell the boys to get out of my room because uh, they're not listening to me? Or can you tell them to stop playing with my toys? Or can you tell them to clean up their room? And, and uh, it's the same thought as Mary comes to Jesus. Jesus, doesn't it bother you that my sister is just sitting around on her lazy butt while I'm doing all this work for you. Like, Jesus, I'm doing this all for you. Doesn't it bother you that uh, she's doing this? You should tell her. Tell her to help me. And Martha thought that the answer to her problem was that Mary would be, Jesus would tell Mary, get up, Mary, and go help Martha in the kitchen. You know where you're supposed to be. You know, that's what her thought was, that as Martha, um, as Mary was, um, uh, would get up and help carry her load of busyness. And Jesus uh, shares something uh, just powerful in that. But I believe it's powerful for us, too, because we have this thing with busyness in our culture. 
some of you are too busy to come this morning, and that's why you're listening online. But, uh, you know, there's this, this, there's this busyness. There's busyness. We, we fill our lives with stuff. We're just like going, going, going all the time. And, you, you know, you really notice it, not so much here. You really notice it when you go to another country and then come back to Canada. You know, go to Haiti for, for a couple weeks. Go to South America for a couple weeks. You'll see strange things. Grown men having naps in the middle of a work day. They have this thing called a siesta. You know, it's like where during the middle of a work day, they'll take a nap. And, and if we see people, working men, taking naps while they're supposed to be working, what would we call them? Lazy, fired, no. We call them lazy. There's this thing. We think, you know, they must be, they must be lazy. And we, we sometimes tie that, that, that idea of if we're busy, well, at least we're not lazy. And for some, it becomes even more that, that our values tied to it. It's like you never want somebody to, to catch you in a nap because they might think less of you. You know, you call my house, and I, I just wake up from a nap. You're like, hey, you sound weird. Did I wake you up? And I'd be like, no, of course not. It's just something in my throat, you know. I, I've been up for a long time. Uh, and, and like, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, of course, I, was, I got up this morning at 8. You know, it's, and what's, what is it about us that makes us want to try not to, to, to say that? Or when you get caught sleeping in or whatever, it's, a, it's this thing that sort of ties sometimes ties value to it. And, uh, you know, we get this thought, like, if I'm not busy, then people will think like I'm this guy, you know, and if, if they call my house, or even worse, they're going to think I'm this guy, you know. So, uh, but the, with Jesus, he's, he's saying to them um, that, that with, with uh, all the busyness, it was, it was this distraction. Martha being busy wasn't a bad thing, but her busyness was distracting her from something much more important. And I think for myself, that can be true of my life, that there are things that distract me, uh, and, and uh, they distract me. They're not big, um, bad things, but distract me from what uh, are the really good things in my life. Uh, and so distracted means you can't give your full attention to something. And being distracted, it can cost you. I found this. I love it. You know, the, the little baby ducks distract the mom while the big duck takes her money, right? And I'm like, it could, it, it could cost you. Distracted parenting. You have no idea what that's going to cost you, you know, down the road. Or, or the ever-famous distracted driving, which isn't funny because you could miss, like, Reese Constable or whoever that kid is. But it's that, that the things of being distracted, you miss out on what may be much more important. And so, you know, as you think about these thoughts, we realize Martha was, was missing out on something more important simply because she was distracted by the busyness in her life. And Jesus says it to her in Luke chapter 10, verse 41. He says, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. In other translations, it says, dear Martha. It's not like he's, you know, Martha, you're, you know, how do you not get this? It's like, dear Martha, you're worried. See that word? You're worried and you're troubled about many things. You're so busy that you're worried and, it, and you're troubled. And, and uh, he says to you, don't you see how this is affecting your life? Don't you see how all this busyness is actually affecting you? The, the words that describe you are worried and troubled and anxious. Are they words that define your life? Are they words that sometimes define mine? That there's, this, there's worry, there's trouble, there's anxiety over things. And it's, uh, it, you know, could it be possible that, that we've allowed ourselves to become too busy and we're missing out on, uh, on something much more important? Verse 42, Jesus says to her, Martha, you know, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. One thing is necessary, and Mary's chosen that good part, and it won't be taken away from her. He says there's just really one thing that we need, 
And he says, Mary's actually chosen. That word means I've chosen it out of a host of other things. It was this idea of I picked one thing out of, a, out of a whole bunch of other things. And so, you know, there's lots of things going on around us. There was lots of things going on around Mary that she could have been doing, but she chose that. And you know what I'm thinking? Mary probably looks back at that moment and says, I'm glad I did. There's no story. We're not talking about this this morning if Mary didn't make that choice. If she didn't choose that one thing, it's not in the story. And so, you know, as I think about, uh, about that, I think Mary's probably glad that, that uh, she did. And, the, you know, my thought is this. This story is written because of that. What stories are we and you and myself, what stories are we possibly missing out on in our lives simply because we are distracted from what's really important? And for some, you think, well, okay, so the idea is when Jesus shows up, you sit at his feet instead of serve him. I got it. Next time I see Jesus, I'll sit at his feet rather than serve him lunch, and we can all go home. And you're like, thanks for the tip, Mark. But when's the last time you saw Jesus? Like, never. And I'm guessing you're probably not going to see him uh, uh, anytime soon where you're going to have that option to say, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. There's a deeper lesson in it for us because how do we live it out? How do we live it out? Um, We know that Jesus began the church before he left the planet. He began this thing called the church, and he told them, go out and make disciples and teach them everything I taught you, including moments like this, including these lessons. He said, teach those to other people. And then we see the church just starting out as little baby church, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It shows us what they looked like at the very beginning. It says all the believers, that's what they called the church at that point, they said they devoted themselves. Just see that word devoted. It means they gave steadfast attention to. They weren't, they weren't distracted. They gave steadfast attention to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They gave steadfast attention to. And it's not that this is all they ever did. It's not like they just went from one of those things to the other. They slept, and you know, they, they hung out with their buddies, and they were working, and they did other things as well. But it's, it's this. They didn't allow all of the other things to distract them from these things. These things were the most important things that they, they did. And, and uh, you know what? When they faced persecution and trials later, they were glad that they did these things. And then they had their friends to support them. When they traveled and shared the good news with others, they were glad that they had studied the word beforehand. And at, for me, as I look back at that church and those people, I'm glad they did what they did because we have the church today and I was able to hear the good news of Jesus as a result. So I'm glad they did. And this year, for you, as you're about to face another year full of distractions, you know, for some, you're like into end times prophecy and you think, you know, the seventh Trump is going to blow because he just got elected in the United States. And, you know, you're worried the dollar is going to tank because, you know, you, what's happening down there is going to affect us. Or you think about work and bills and car repairs and mortgage, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, your favorite sports team or Facebook. You got all of these things that you're trying to keep up on. They're all going to be distractions around you. What are you going to choose this year? What are you going to choose out of all of that to focus on, to put your attention on? And I would encourage you to choose what they chose because Jesus said, you know, this is the one thing that's most important. And the the early church said these are the things that were most important. And I want to encourage you to choose what they chose. And, And I just want to leave you with a few thoughts. One is this, they chose the word. You know, there's Bible apps everywhere. It is so simple in, in, our, in our day and age to choose 
to spend time uh, studying the Word. That's what they chose. They made sure that there was time for them reading, uh, reading through, the, through the Word. Um, Beth just finished uh, reading the Bible a couple days ago, read it through uh, cover to cover. It took her 362 days. That's pretty good. She did it in less than a year. Um, I uh, finished reading through the whole Bible in October. It only took me 22 months. And uh, it was... Uh, it was it's still that sense of looking back and realizing, man, I'm glad I did. It didn't matter how much time it took, I'm glad I did. There's things that I learned, and there was days where it was like, that was the perfect verse for that day for me. And then other, other things, you know, it's so simple that, you know, I would encourage you, there's, there's, you can have it on, on, uh, on your phone. You know, there's, there's version, which is free, and it gives you the Bible, and will give you even recommended readings each and every single day. And you're like, well, I don't read good. Well, they have an app for that. It's called the Bible.is. This one, it will read it to you. And you're like, well, when people read to me, I fall asleep. Well, then they have movies. So you can just watch the word uh, in, in full. Blow, and you would be like, just no excuse. We're like, well, I'm too, uh, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too young for all of that stuff. Maybe you're thinking, I'm not there yet. Well, we even have the U version for kids, which is also free. And, if, you know, there's the chance to just put Scripture into your heart. Because you know what? Looking back, you'll be glad you did. This year, if you put the word into your heart, you will be glad you did. Uh, and then, you know, maybe for you, it's taking the next step and joining a Bible study. Uh, we have incredible Bible studies that have happened this year. You heard Sarah mention it earlier. Um, but uh, again, the, the Bible studies that, that happened here, there's certain things you learn that just are so amazing. How many of you were part of our Bible studies this year? You were part of the, the Monday night Bible studies? Or um, Anybody want to share a quick one-minute thing of what you learned this year through, uh, through Bible study? Just think for a minute. Think. For, I'll get Chris to share for a minute and give you guys a chance to uh, think. But what did you learn this year? Uh, not being too specific, I learned a ton of little things every day. But uh, busyness came up for me a ton of times this year. And so I started cutting things out of my life. And uh, you have to fight it. It's not our culture. And so, but it, it all started for me being into the word, um, and it put that in my life, and it put that uh, responsibility in my life, because I had to keep up, right, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, they give, there's homework every day, though it's like making, carving out that time to learn, anybody else, what'd you learn this year in Bible study? This is a, this is like Oprah, free-for-all, anybody can take the mic. What did you learn? Yeah. I'm coming to you, Sarah. Uh, I learned that it's like not all about me, and I know that sounds like redundant, but that I'm here to share the gospel, and I'm here to tell others about Jesus, and there's people like in Acts, they really talk about that, and um, there's people all around me that need Jesus, and I need to shine and pray for boldness to speak out the truth. Yeah, I remember that too in Acts. It was a, an excellent, uh, excellent growing spot for us. I'm doing a study at uh, Lorraine's and um, on loving God and loving others. And loving God's easy, but loving others is sometimes very, very hard. So, especially at work. So, yeah, I've learned a lot there. Right. It affects your real life. I love it. Anybody else? You got time for one more? Who's in Bible study this year and want to? S- yeah. Um, I have a. I go to a study group on Tuesday nights, and we're studying the um, Peter. And what I've learned just in this quick little uh, few weeks that we've been starting it is that God has dropped things in my heart many years ago. And to look back now and think, 
well, that was a long time ago, God. Why, am you, why haven't I accomplished that or why haven't you accomplished that through my life? He um, teaches me that it's not always instant and it's, there's a process and a learning curve and just things that happen and he, he says, take your time. And you learn that for yourself by studying his word. And when I just, for all those who raised your hand be, that you've been a part of our Bible studies, how many of you look back and you're glad you did? Yeah, it, just look around. There's hands. It's like not that, it wasn't this thought of, oh, this is going to be the, this terrible. We're, they're glad they did. It's amazing how those moments affect your life when Holy Spirit brings the word to your mind in times of need. You're facing something, all of a sudden you're like, oh, his word says this. And like, how do I know that? Because you put it there. You studied and you'll be glad you did. And when you look back at your year and you see the people you got to share the gospel with, you'll be glad that you studied and you'll be glad that you did. Seeing others come to church, seeing others come to Christ, you'll be glad you did spend that time putting uh, his word into your heart. So I'd encourage you to choose the word. I'd also encourage you to choose another thing they chose, and it was fellowship. Fellowship, a place where you're known. A place where you're known. Not just, you know, not just by name. Yeah, anybody remember this show? Cheers. I know we're going back a ways, but, but um, cheers. The, the theme song for it began with this. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Sounds true today still, after all these years. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows you came. And they're always glad you came. Dun, 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 right? Uh, you want to be where, where you can see that our troubles are all the same. You want, to, uh, you want to be where everybody knows your name. I don't know how I know that song. I was like 13 when that show ended. I'm sure my parents didn't let me watch shows about people in bars. But, but uh, somehow, you know I, know, I know that tune and remembered that tune. I thought, you know, these guys had it right in the wrong place. They had the right idea, wrong location. Because there was something, there's something true about that song. We, we resonate with that song that there's, there's a, you know, we want to, we want to have, know, um, have uh, to be known where people know our name, but that, that it's okay with whatever troubles we have, it's okay to be a part of that. And so, you know, as I thought about that, I thought about this guy. Anybody know who this is? What's his name? Joey, Joey Tribbiani, and every time, it's good, every time, and some of you already know this, but every time he got this look on his face, he was about to say, how you doing, right? Yeah, that was his, that was his line, and, and so as I thought about this, my question for you is, do you have people, have you surrounded your, yourself with people who can ask you that question? How you doing? Really? Not as a pickup line like Joey, because I just asked a guy, but how you doing? <laughs> How are you doing, really? How are you doing in your life, really? And it's this idea, you know, the, of being a part of a, of, a, of a group that knows you. And so this year, I joined a small group, and I've shared about how amazing that's been for my life. But um, how many of you have been a part of a small group this year? You went and joined a small group? Yeah. Anybody here want to share how um, being part of a small group has uh, uh, affected you? We'll give a couple, uh, just a one-minute thing. Something you learned just simply by joining a small group. Yeah, I think for me, what I learned pretty quickly is how much I missed and needed to be a part of a small group. Uh, being part of studies and small groups in the past, you know, just allowing that to kind of slip out of my life and, you know, filling it with other stuff that, you know, we talk about being busy. You know, not necessarily always bad things, like we can fill our lives with good things too that keep us busy, but, you know, being able to be a part of a group again and, and just share life with other people. Uh, it has been really opening for me. Um, you know, I'm, we pass it around about being thankful. I'm thankful for a friend to send me a text and say, hey, you want to come out to study? So thanks. Yeah. 
Anybody else who's been a part of a group want to share just how that's affected your life this year? Yeah. I learned that uh, sanctification is a slow process and not an overnight thing and uh, not to expect perfection immediately. Yeah, it's true. Anybody else? It's all these men who are quiet, but I go to a small group with a bunch of you. I know who you are. I won't pick you out. But, uh, but it's interesting, you know, when you get together with people where there's not just being known, but there's an encouragement and accountability. Some people are like, what is small group? What do you do there? It, you know, we come and we, they, there's a, they ask you the questions, where did you see God at work this week? And you come back the next week and they want an answer. You start looking for God throughout your regular week. And then, you know, as you're being challenged and encouraged in different things, that Holy Spirit's doing on the inside of you saying, you know what? I keep fighting with my wife about this one topic. And you're like, well, what do you think the Lord wants you to do? Well, I think he wants me to give in. You know, I think he wants me to say, you know, she was right. And we're like, okay, this week, go do it. And they come back the next week, and guess what happens? They ask you a question. So, how'd it go? Oh, yeah, you're right. You know, and we can honestly share what's going on in our lives and where the Lord is leading and directing us. Because, you know, you come to Sunday mornings or Saturday night, you'll hear, you'll hear the word, and then you'll leave, and no one's going to ask you next week, hey, what did you do with this? Did you go and surround yourself with people that are asking you, hey, how you doing? Did you spend time in the Word? No one's going to ask you, but you don't really grow in those moments unless you put yourself in a place where you can. And so I want to encourage you to join a group or a Bible study this year uh, to surround yourself with people who can ask you that question, how you doing? And guess what? In a year from now, you'll be glad you did. How many of you are part of, at least part of a small group are glad that they joined one this year? Yeah, see, take a look around. It matters. You know, for those, maybe it's a different kind of group. If you're struggling with a habit that you can't break, maybe you need to um, find a spot where you can be a part of a group that's going to help you do that. You know, when G- what I love is that Jesus didn't die on the cross just to give you forgiveness. Forgiveness is like this level ground, right, where it's like we were here, we sinned, we're down here. Jesus came and brought us back to forgiveness. And then, you know, next time we sin, we're down, he brings us back to forgiveness. He died on the cross to give you victory over sin. The fact that when Jesus is your master, no one, nothing else has to be. When Jesus is your master, nothing else has to be. It's a whole message on its own, but it's a powerful, powerful thought. Because for some, this morning, maybe, you know, you're realizing you drink too much. And some of you are listening online because you couldn't even make it here this morning because of that. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> you know, it, but, but if, if, if something becomes your master, you want to stop, but you can't. You know, you drink too much, or it's, it's food, or it's alcohol, or it's drugs, or it's cutting, or it's porn, or it's smoking anything, and you can't stop. Do you know what? This, this morning, I would encourage you to take the first step to tell someone, hey, I have a problem with, and I can't solve it myself. You're like, that's awkward, and it's really difficult, but I can tell you from experience and from so many others who have told me that after that first step, they were glad they did. How many things would you allow in your life, will you allow to be lost to that distraction simply because... You weren't willing or able to take that step. I would encourage you this year, find a, find a group or a person that you can share those things with so you can take that step because you'll be glad you did. The marriage course we had this year where people were just joined. How many went to the marriage course? Anybody want to share quick on how that went for you? Who? I heard sure. Oh, it was somebody who didn't go. All right. But the marriage, the marriage course too, you know, for those, well, hey, for those of you who went, how many of you are glad you did? Uh-huh. Three out of four, we're good. <laughs> but, 
But I, I, would, I would challenge you with some thoughts, you know. How many of you pray out loud with your spouse? And maybe it's something you could start this year. Or maybe having some heart-to-hearts with your spouse like you used to have. I can guarantee you it might feel awkward, but you'll be glad you did. Um, there's, there's this idea of fellowship that we are supposed to be known and to know others and be that closely connected. And the only thing you're going to miss out on by being connected is loneliness. It's epidemic in our culture of being all connected but really lonely on the inside. Why? Because you need to be known. You need to be a part. And they chose fellowship. They chose it. I love how Chris said it doesn't just happen. You've got to choose it. Busyness will try and fill your life with everything that distracts you from what's really important. And the last thought was this. First, it was studying the Word. Second was fellowship. And the third was prayer. They were intentional about it. Praying together. Praying alone. Martin Luther, uh, he was one of the guys who helped helped us have the opportunity to know God for ourselves. When, when uh, after, after many years after Jesus uh, um, had left the planet, the church became this political power and started saying, you know what, men can't communicate with God unless they do it through a priest. And that was so that the priest would know everything about those people and was able to use control uh, for them. Well, that's going to cost you so much money because those were really terrible sins. And so Martin Luther, as he was reading and studying, he's like, this is not the way it should be. The common man should have the word in his own language so he understands it. He should be able to pray to the Father through Jesus, not through a, through a priest. And he began to break down the, the walls for that. And he said this. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. He says, it's not even possible to be Christian without prayer. And for so many, I, I remember doing these surveys for pre-marriage stuff. Are you a Christian? Check the box. Yes. You know, and then do you pray? No. Do you read the Bible? No. Go back to the first one again. Are you a Christian? And for so many, it's the truth. But we find ourselves so busy. And we're like, what would it look like if I'm sitting around talking to myself? You know, I'm listening for voices in my head. You know, like, what, what are people going to think? They're going to think I'm lazy, right? It's like, what, what are they going to think of that? Or I'm so busy. You know, i got kids. And I don't have time to stop and just, you know, pray, whatever, whatever that means. Martin Luther said this about being busy. He says, I have so much to do today that I'll spend the first three hours in prayer. He says, I'm so busy today that I have to spend the first three hours in prayer. And some of you are like, three hours? Dear Lord, what am I going to talk to him about for three hours? You know, dear Lord, it's me. I'm going to pray for everybody in my contact list. And that's 15 minutes. Now I'll pray for everybody in the phone book. Like, what? A, it's never going to get to three hours. Be like, dear Lord, you know, and it, I can't do three hours. My challenge for you this morning is would you take a step? Would you take a step in praying more? It's not a time thing at all. It has nothing to do with minutes because actually for some of you this is going to be really easy. You're going to pray for one minute today and it was more than you've prayed uh, all week. It's, it's this thought of connection with, with the Lord. Um, Patrick Morley said it this way, if you want a close relationship with Jesus, you can have it. If you want a close, if you want it, if you want a close relationship with Jesus, you can have it. But you must cultivate that relationship through conversation. It's like every other relationship. You know, our marriages don't survive on Hallmark cards on Valentine's Day. And I'll see you next year, honey. Right? It's this conversation that's ongoing. And with the Lord, it's simply that. Would you start the conversation with him? Hey, Lord, thank you for today. And for some of you, like, I don't know what to pray. I pray the Lord's Prayer or whatever. I, I don't know what else to pray. I love this thought that Jamie shared a couple weeks ago, and I, I want to leave you with it as a kind of as our closing thing. What do you pray? Philippians 4, verse 6, he, it says this, don't worry. We just studied at the beginning that Martha was worrying about everything. He says, don't worry about anything. Well, what do I pray about? Well, instead, pray about everything. Everything. 
Well, what do I say? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Start there. It's amazing. You're like, well, how do I know how to hear his voice? Guess what? When you put yourself in a place of openness to hearing his voice, you will hear his voice. You will. The problem is we never stop or slow down enough to actually listen for him. So it says, you know, tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And this is so powerful. It says, then you will experience. Experience. Not, I'll know about it in my head or I'll believe something. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds all that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's this idea of living him in him. It's this idea of telling him, God, this is what I need, but thank you for what you've done in my life. And beginning to, to live that out, because guess what? When you experience that peace in the middle of all the storms of your life, when you experience that peace, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. You know, if this morning, if your sentence is like mine, man, I'm too busy to study the word. I'm too busy for prayer. I'm too busy for fellowship with the Lord and with others. Then maybe we're too busy. And I would encourage you this year not to choose laziness. That's not the opposite. The opposite is choosing to, to focus on what's most important. What are the distractions in, in your life that are causing you to miss out on what's really important? Would you take some time to answer that question today? What are the things that are distracting me from these things that are really important? And take time to think about what's really important. We started there this morning. If you were in a fire and you had to leave, what would you take? What's the most important thing? Now think about life. How more important is life in your life and in your future? What is most important? I don't know who said it, but they said, do something that your future self will thank you for. Do something that your future self will thank you for, because you'll be glad you did. So maybe it's joining a group. Maybe it's downloading a Bible app. Maybe it's this idea of I'm going to take some time in conversation with the Lord today. And for those this morning, maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. You just kind of showed up or somebody invited you and, and you're here but, and you're a bit intrigued, but you know, you're not sure what all this is about. Jesus called out to every person, no matter what their religion, their race, their gender, and he said, come follow me. Turn away from this life of, of following sin and following, you know, just selfishness. It just leads to ugliness. He says, follow me instead. Turn away from that and follow me. And, and he says, I'll give you life. I will give you life. And this is, the offer is on the table for you today. And maybe, you know, the distractions in life, they've got you, you know, into this place where you haven't thought about this in a while. Maybe you think, I've got to get my life fixed up first. You don't. He'll take care of that. Maybe you're worried about what others are going to think, but what he thinks is what matters most. Maybe you go to church, but it's just head knowledge for you. It's not, you're not experiencing the relationship with the Lord. There's something so much more. And you know, in the end, if today is the day you say, God, I'm going to follow you. I don't even know how to pray the right words, but my heart is I want to follow you. In the end, when you stand before the Lord and you know that you stand there guiltless and without shame because you received his forgiveness and because you received um, the, the, the invitation to follow uh, him, you'll look back on this moment and you'll be glad you did. So this morning, I want to challenge you with those thoughts. What will you look back on in this year and say, wow, I'm so glad I did because you have the choice to choose it today. Can we pray? Father, I pray that you give us um, insight and that you'd help and, uh, and show each and every one of us what it is specifically that you're des uh, desiring for us. As we look at these things and uh, we see opportunities to choose what's What's really important, there's so many other things that, that cloud those out. Pray help us to see them this week and to make those, uh, to make those choices. Father, I pray for those who are uh, kind of on the spot of, of choosing to follow you or to take a step in that direction. Pray you give them that, that courage. And Lord, may they sense your, your, just your genuine love uh, uh, over them as they do. 
pray for your blessing over this church as we live out this year for your glory. And wherever you're taking us, we're just glad to go. Uh, wherever, wherever you go is where we want to be. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to be the church and to do this together. Uh, pray your blessing over them as they go into the world. May they shine bright for you t- uh, this week. Uh, and that others might see you and see how amazing you are. And that they might see Jesus and find hope and life in him. It's in your amazing name I pray. Amen.